Well, hey. Uh, hey, man. <laughs> Cheers. Wait, 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 wait. Oh, yeah, got, got a top off. Uh, Jake, my friend, cheers. Cheers. Clink, boink. Did you know that a year ago today was when we released the um, Matrix versus Batman and Robin episode? I got, I got an alert online of memory. Yeah, me too. I'm like, wow, that was a year ago. Well, so we should, I mean, be, we, should be, we should be better at saying to our listeners, welcome to Sippin' Nemo's. You know, I, I like it, but it's just kind of oh. like, I kind of I like the, like the whole like improv, the improv vibe, you know, like we don't really know what's going to happen on an episode of Sippin' Nemo's. Yeah, it's loosey-goosey. It's loosey-goosey. Like it. uh, but this is a show where Jake and I talk about uh, um, 90s electronica and 90s radio rock, uh, often while sipping beverages. Often while sipping citrus space libations. Truly. Um, <laughs> but we, we kind of gave up on the Mimo thing uh, pretty quick because uh, I haven't had a mimosa on the show in a long time. You know what? Like, maybe we can, maybe it's, uh, I'm right there with you, but because it's a lot of times it's like a whole thing. You know, you got to go to the <laughs> corner store and you buy a whole thing, orange juice. I'm like, well, I don't know if I'll finish all that orange, you know, so. What? The, the, finishing the orange juice is the least of your concern. You put that in the fridge. It's breakfast juice, baby. That's true. Do you think sipping Mimos and like if people like are like, oh, mimosas is that is like a breakfast podcast? Do you think that's hurting our numbers? <laughs> is it about I, breakfast? <laughs> man, that that's a good that's a good point. We might have fucked up with the title of the show a long time ago. <laughs> we could have called it 90s cast, blah blah blah. But like it's not sipping mimos. Because we were dead set on that. We were like, that was like, that was like one of the first conversations we had about this thing. We we're like, this, that's the name of the, that's the name of the episode. Yeah. Well, I, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of the name of the show. So we're not changing it at all. I don't give a shit. I like that. What? Well, and if you are here, uh, you know, please tune in next time uh, where I will give my famous recipe for sweet potato hash with paprika and hatch peppers. So. Wait, that sounds awesome. It's actually really Wait. good. Wait, sweet potatoes? I'm not a sweet potato guy. Uh, um, could, could you think you could change me? You could, you could uh, um, convert me? I, I feel like, because like with paprika and the peppers, you can do some onion in there, uh, some tomatoes. It's just mm. like, it's, it's more, if you can get down with like the sweet potato texture, which might be a little different from like a regular, um, it's pretty good. Like this, it, it all, mush it all together and make a really nice hash. I've just, I've just never been a big sweet potato guy like you know thanksgivings and all that and then like uh sweet potato fries like sometimes put like cinnamon on it i think or even like i don't know i, I don't know i don't know if i'm into that i don't know if i can get down with cinnamon i will get down with um wing stops fries they put sugar on them on oh. the fries oh yeah okay killer town have i never had wing stop this is weird i don't think we i need, have we need to do an episode what you know when we eventually get in person, we can do an episode where we like scarf some wings and talk about like Paul McCartney's band wings. <laughs> <laughs> that would be that's exactly how I would do it. Oh, that's so funny. Uh, <laughs> have you have you seen uh, Hot Ones, the the Hot Wings show on YouTube and all that? 
I've never seen a full episode because oh, but you have to check it out. Because they're, they're like you know, usually like 20, 30 minutes, but I've, yeah. I've tuned in for like clips, and I love the the one with Elizabeth Olsen. I thought that was great. Uh huh. And she, I think she like went the went all went the distance. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, 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 uh, the other day, I don't know, I tore through a bunch of them while I was like doing stuff, but like, um, it's, it's kind of like a, you can watch it or you can like keep it, keep it on the background kind of thing. Um, but it's so fun to watch these people just like, like once they hit like wing six or seven, there's like, okay, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And they start freaking the hell out. It's great. Uh, didn't Elijah Wood do one recently? And yeah, he was, and he talked about Austin a lot. That's what I heard. Like someone tweeted about it, but I, cause he, he's, I think he still lives here. He's got a place here. Yeah. Yeah. I know where it is. If you ever want to go and like hunt him down. Let's talk after the episode. <laughs> yeah. yeah we'll, <laughs> we'll keep that off mic. Um, but no, he was like talking about like, Oh, you got to get this, this food truck for breakfast tacos in the South first. You got to go to Robin Tatsuya and all wow. this. And then, and then you go to Alamo draft house for movies and blah, blah. Like he's like a big, He's, he's, you know, Alamo Draft House here in Austin. He's like a big, he, he, he knows, you know, the owner and like he, uh, friends with him and like, and does the, um, I don't know if it's a, what, they have different festivals all the time, like Buttonamathon where you stay in the theater for like three days or, <laughs> and then, uh, like, uh, um, um, ah, there's another one. I don't know. Is it Fantastic Fest? Fantastic Fest. Thank you, Jake. Um, where it's like a, like a week long of like movies that aren't released yet. They're just going to be fucking crazy and weird and all that. I've always wanted to do that. I remember one year Tom DeLonge from Lincoln 82, which Who? Uh, Tom, DeLonge, <laughs> Tom DeLonge of Lincoln 82, which mm-hmm. uh, see, our, see our episode on Enema of the State and to, to know, uh, to, to learn of my obsession with, with him and Lincoln 82. Uh, yeah. he, he produced a movie. Um, Call I think it was called Love or something like that, and it premiered at Fantastic Fest, and I I went because you know I wanted to to you know meet him and say hi, and uh, there were people there like who were part of his like fan club, and they were like yeah like we're told to be here like at three because we're gonna do something. Well, the the movie was about space, and no. They had these like they had these two peeps, like put like spacesuits on and like walk in with Tom DeLong. <laughs> <laughs> and I wanted to, I wanted to be them so bad, like, like so they were like orange like Armageddon spacesuits, like it was awesome. Speaking of movies, uh, yeah, anything good lately? I don't even know if I've seen anything. Oh, I watched. Okay, okay, all right. I went over to my brother's place to watch um, the. The fourth and final Evangelion rebuild movie. Okay, Jake, Not are you familiar something. with Evangelion? No, Evangelion is like a classic. Some okay, I guess now classic anime, like um, uh, very popularized in the nineties. Um, about like giant robots versus these um alien creatures, but they but they are these monsters that are referred to as a, uh, angels. And there's this vast mythology. And when I was a kid in high school and like getting into anime, like this is the dopest shit ever. Like reinterpreting the, uh, these ancient texts in, into uh, this story thing where like, okay, the angels are coming to earth to destroy us. 
And so what we, what we better do is uh, build giant robots um, and then put little kids inside and the little, the, the kids have to like uh, become the robots and then beat the hell out of them. But there's like so much more and it's, it's so weird and fucking wild. Uh, and it's, it's mostly about the end of the world and all that, but it's so fucking dope. Um, if you're like big robots, if you like monster fights and you, and you're into, uh, like deep, weird mythologies as I am, uh, I can't recommend Evangelion, Neon Genesis Evangelion enough. It's so fucking cool. Awesome. Uh, you kind of, it kind of sounded like you were chatting like, uh, Pacific Rim. Was that, was that an influence on Pacific Rim? Uh, the Pacific Rim, Gilbert Totoro insists that no, Evangelion had nothing to do with this, but it's, it's kind of there. It's, yeah, yeah, kind of the same idea. Yeah, kind of the same idea. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's cool, man. See, that's one of the things that it's kind of like, uh, like the works of, like a director I haven't really seen like a ton of or an actor like a lot of like the like Cary Grant movies or um Lauren Bacall those like great early early like golden age of Hollywood actors like there's Mm. I know there's a wealth of material there that I know that I will get to eventually and I'm very much looking forward to that you know but like I feel with a lot of like our show we kind of see like how where we are in our lives, like music tends to just like, kind of like connect where you are emotionally, you know, and, and I know that eventually, you know, I will like discover this anime world. And I know that there's just so much to dive into And I'm really looking forward to that. And I don't know, I know you're a really big fan. And every time we talk about it, you're, you just, you make it sound like the coolest thing in the world. So Mm -hmm. I think it's going to be awesome. But uh, I haven't haven't dived in yet, but need to. Um, wait, wait, is there an anime you, you've been, you've gotten into before? Um, you can just say no. It's fine. No, I mean, no. I watched. Would like Pokemon be considered? If you like, genre? yeah, sure. Uh, and the anime is not a genre. The anime is like a. Uh, is it's just a japanese word for animation so it's not like a oh okay then yeah i guess like pokemon would back in the i remember pokemon used to like it was the most inconvenient thing in the world uh it came on at like 6 a.m where, where i was in san antonio and 6 a.m 6 a.m 100 and i remember i had two buddies who's who we're always up at 6 a.m. because, like, I think their parents had to be up and they got dropped at school, got dropped off at school real early. And me, like, I live, you know, I, I lived very close to school, so I didn't need to get there at a certain time. So, like, I would get to school and they'd be like, oh, my gosh. And did you see when when Bulbasaur did this? And I'm just like, oh, you know, <laughs> like, so, like, I would I would tell my mom I'd be like mom can you wake me up at six a.m. so I could watch Pokemon and she'd be like okay uh, wow <laughs> oh my god wait so and, you would watch you would watch Pokemon before going to school mm-hmm. well wow. I should say it happened once my mom woke me up one time and I was so sleepy that I didn't even catch anything and I was just like <laughs> you one know what time. this isn't meant to be it's all right. So. <laughs> yeah. 
not, I'm not setting an alarm for anything like that. Okay. It was a trip. What I mean, man, me though, I've been watching, um, yes. kind of same like animation. Uh, and I'm kind of obsessed with it. What if on Disney plus, oh, I haven't seen what if yet, okay. but I, but I, I understand the first episode is um, what if it was uh, Carter that got the superhero serum. And then yeah. the second episode is what if T'Challa was star Lord? Yes. Um, but I did see, I did watch black widow. Um, oh, you saw I, it. I did. Yeah. What are you about? I, eh. Yeah. Like, like, I don't know. Honestly, Black Widow is like, uh, and and like, uh, it was just kind of like, okay, like they're not advancing the story clearly. Yeah. So that was a weird move. I don't know why they did Black Widow like that after, um, well, I guess after Far Far From Home. Um, it's 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 an odd maneuver, I guess, to say like, oh write out that the red room's done and we might have a new uh black widow in florence Pugh, who i love yeah i would 100 percent be be okay with that i think she's so great Ooh, i'm on board yeah i i didn't realize it but she's um we 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 probably see her face like you know once a week in some form of a meme she's from midsummer yeah, she's the girl from Midsummer, man. Oh my god, have you seen Midsummer? Midsummer? I, I I haven't seen that one. I know. Oh boy. I I know it's the same the same folks that did like uh, Hereditary, right? Yeah. Yeah. Hereditary was scared the you know the bejesus out of me. Yeah. Uh, and so like I'm like I'm kind of I'm kind of worried <laughs> to see it. Yeah. Like, it's it's really fucked up and scary um but she's like astounding in it you know like uh so i'm on board if if she's like gonna replace you know scarlet as like the new black widow i'm done with that but then then they doesn't have like doesn't midsummer have chidi from good place in it yeah 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 we've talked about this before yeah 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 do we talk about this about yeah, I think we have on, on the pod on the episode. I think so. On the, on the show, <laughs> I think we have. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But uh, Florence, Florence Pugh. I'll, I'll never know how to say that name. P u p u g h p. Flow Pugh. Um, but no, I thought I thought she was like, she was like so charming and just such a. It was such a joy every time she was on screen because she was just like, just you can tell she was having a lot of fun with the role, and uh, yeah. I mean, and Rachel Vice and David Harbor. I mean, I would Rachel Vice, Rachel Vice. Um, yeah, and then uh, yeah, Dave Harbor like just acting his ass off, having fun when even he's like doing the arm wrestling thing in the in the jail. Yeah, like, and that's and that's when I beat up Captain America, and then it's like, are you calling me a liar? And like, it breaks that guy's arm. Uh, I don't know. That's fun. I'm on board with that. I yeah, and, um, I should rewatch it. I don't know. And Ray Ray Winston as uh, as yeah, it was Ray Winston. Yes, Ray doing Winston. like 
do is it uh, is it wins i never know if it's winstone or winston it's probably winstone i'm trying whatever i'm saying is the wrong way but that <laughs> that guy, <laughs> that guy rules. oh he he was great i mean and i forget how much i really really enjoy enjoy because he 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 was great in did you ever see the departed with jack nicholson and leo um yeah i've seen the departed bro when he he's like he's, he has that really that great his accent comes out so good <laughs> he just has such little regard for everything he's just like Fuck, he's just, oh, yeah. and uh <laughs> keep doing it wait, wait, wait. say our uh say our sip and mimo's um intro in the in your way ray winston this is my ray winston he's he just got this great Irish accent and and uh, Welcome to Sippin' Memos. I'm Ray Winstone. And, you know, this is Jack and Elliot listening to literature while drinking mimosas, but they don't. <laughs> 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 uh, I, uh, I, yeah. Uh, killer. No, come on. I love that. Oh, I'm so glad God. we got that recorded. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to see the back so bad. Uh, no, he. I thought he was really good. I mean, it was one of those where it was. It probably would have been better served at, at another point in the series, you know, like or in one of the phases. But I don't know. I, I would like to see. I mean, I don't think we'll see him again because I'm pretty sure he died. But uh, um, I would like to see, you know, Dave Harbor, Rachel Vice. You know, of course, Florence. Pew. Flo Pew. Um, Flo Pew. Uh, we'd definitely like to see them again. Really? And it was cool to see Julia Louise Dreyfus um, make her mm-hmm. appearance. Yeah. Seems like seems like with Julia Louise Dreyfus, they're gearing up for something because she shows up in the end of a Falcon Winter Soldier. Falcon Winter Soldier to like re- start re- re- recruiting a what seems like to be a Dark Avengers. Oh, I didn't pick up on that because oh, oh, because she picks up um, Russell, national warrior or some shit. You know, and they can't call him Captain America anymore. Or whatever. And she's like, "You'll do fine." And then she picks up this alternate Black Widow, and so I think she's gonna keep going doing that and like build these Dark Avengers. That'd be cool. I, I think it's totally what it is. Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Seems to be. But uh, I won't. I won't spoil what if. But I've been really enjoying it. Like it's yeah. I'm psyched to check it out. Um, is the animation awesome? Is it cool? Is it fun? It's really cool. It reminds me of. Did you ever see like those? Um, I don't like. It's not like full blown Scanner Darkly, but like it. It looks almost like it could have been like mocap, you know, kind of thing. Huh. The word. The word you're looking for is rotoscope. Rotoscope when they trace over every image on a film frame and they just animate it like within illustrator so you just like this this kind of trace around the shadows and and highlights and all that and then they keep doing that through the frames and then they move together rotoscope i i really dig it uh i I really really do and it's it's cool to see i mean because like captain america like the first avenger i mean that came out what in 2011 like 10 years ago so it i may be wrong about that but uh it was 
it, it's cool to see or to hear these voices come back, you know, and uh, and really because it makes it makes you feel like like the actors really care about the role and like really like really like value like that experience and it, it just I don't know it just it kind of it makes it like a very like nice viewing experience you know like uh and, and I'm not gonna lie like um if it wasn't the Ma Rainey's Black Bottom wasn't like the his official like last role I, I don't know if what if is but like Chadwick Boseman is voicing um T'Challa in what if oh yes okay that was my question yeah um, is it amazing? It's, I mean, I like hearing, I'm not going to lie. Like I got teary eyed. Just like, to hear his voice. Just hearing his voice. Come on, forget it. How fun is that? That's amazing. That's so great. Oh and, God. All right. I'm sold. I'm going to watch it. I, 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 had, I was, I was going to watch it anyways, but oh man, I'm really excited to hear it to Charles. It's, it's really, really, I mean, really just such a, it's so special to, to hear him in that role and, uh, I, I just, it really hit, like it, it hit me. I, I, I certainly teared up just, just, just what a, what a gift he, he was and is, but it's neat. Like there's a lot of things like where you're like, like the story is like a, like a thin line kind of thing, but with both of them, there's like, there's just, there's differences. And then like, they start off kind of like subtle differences and then they just like branch off into like this whole different type of, story and it's it's really cool and I, oh. I remember i liked reading the what if comics growing up so maybe that's why i'm kind of like yeah they were fun a little biased but who plays the watcher <gasps> jeffrey jeffrey wright no. jeffrey wright yes so he was the guy um he was um what's his name in uh the james bond movies oh uh oh. he's the Amer- he's the american guy I know, didn't like, I think like, didn't Joe Don Baker play him like in like Pierce Brosnan, Pierce Brosnan's version of. <laughs> but I, I don't know. But uh, Jeffrey Wright also, he also plays Commissioner Gordon in um, the yet to be released The Batman. Really? So yeah, he's in the trailer and everything. So we, we can add him to Polka Man then. I, yep, I, yep, yep. He's a man between both worlds. Ooh, a man oh, great. worlds. I love that. We need to keep that as a running thing. Absolutely. Um, what's his oh, Felix Light? Felix Lighter. Yeah, Felix. Yeah, 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 yeah. Felix in the in the James Bond in the new James Bond iterations. Um, that's Jeffrey. Yeah, and then, um, man, he's he's like this like low key guy and all that. Like, uh, love that. Yeah, he's he's awesome. Like, he, he, I am the Watcher. Every time he. And I'm here to answer the question, what if? <laughs> so Jodan Baker plays Jack Wade, who is the CIA American guy who helps James Bond, Pierce Brosnan. That was going to bother the heck out of me. Oh, okay. <laughs> what, what, what decade was that the movie from? 95. That's an interesting year, isn't it? You know, actually... <laughs> Man, you just blew my mind right now, Elliot. <laughs> I was going one way, but you just took it a whole other way, dude. No, 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 no. no keep, keep going. Like... No, I, I, I like, I like this way. So, 
95. <laughs> Man, what a year. You what know, a like, year. That was Pierce Brosnan's uh, yeah. first turn uh, with the PP7 and GoldenEye. PP7? What's PP7? PP7 was uh, James Bond's weapon of choice. Okay. Um, but also, two albums by, I would argue, very seminal artists were, were released. That seminal? Yeah. Seminal, yes. Because they just keep, they keep me coming back for more. Oh, oh no. Oh, <laughs> no. <laughs> so, 1995 is, a, you know, a very, very important year. Um, uh, these two artists uh, were, and I, this was, normally I have like an idea, gentle listener, of like how to like lead into like oh. discussion. Wait, but can I, I like, hear can I hear your idea though? Well, that's the thing. Like sometimes I have an idea, but other times I was just, I'm just winging it, which was going to be mm-hmm. like a day. Oh, okay. I was going to, I was going to say something like, uh, like swallowing it is almost like swallowing a jagged little pill, something like that. You know, like swallowing, swallowing, or... swallowing what? Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, but like, this is too good to not, to not pass up. Um, so, <laughs> For this week's episode, we're talking two albums uh, from the glorious year of 1995, 26 years ago now. Wait, can we, can we real quick before we dive into it? Can we get a here we go? Oh, yeah. Here we go. Here we go. Do I stress you out? My sweater is on backwards and inside out And you say how appropriate I don't want to dissect everything today I don't mean to pick you apart, you see But I can't help it And there I go jumping before the gunshot has gone off Slap me with the splinter
All right. So for this week's episode, yeah, Ellie and I listened to uh, Moby's "Everything Is Wrong," released mm-hmm. in 1995. Yeah, and Alanis Morissette's "Jagged Little Pill" released yeah. in the same year. Same year, same year club. Uh, we've done this like I think a couple times before. I forget which ones. Yeah, but um, this it's, is it's, it's few and far between. Most few and far between. Yeah. Most of the time we're off. Usually we're way across the spectrum. Yeah, but like ninety-five, baby. Uh, and, and we didn't plan that actually, because uh, no, we didn't. We not. don't tell each other. We don't tell each other what what albums we're listening to ahead of time or what we're thinking. That's one of the rules we don't break on the show is that we don't tell each other what the next ep- next album is. Yes, as you can as you can hear, oftentimes in our either like <gasps> excitement or like did not see you know like or our general did not see that coming uh energy that we give off um but yeah so that's that's one that's pretty much the only one of the only rules we have i think as, as far as like episode planning yeah. yeah um and we love keeping the intro titles off the cuff that's like the other rule we just never like we never <laughs> um <laughs> But I I picked I picked Jagged Little Pill this this week because you sure actually, did yeah I got actually got to see Alonso Morissette in concert last week. Jake, okay, tell me what happened. Oh my god, it was it was really it was special. You know, like, yeah. I was talking to my sister, um, be, right before, literally I was parking and right before I, I walked into the venue. And she was like, are you excited? And I was like, yeah, you know, I mean, gosh, I, you know, I was such a, I was so young when Jagged Little Pill came out. Like, I can't remember a time in my life when, you know, these songs on this album weren't a part of it. And I said that and I was just kind of like, oh, damn, I'm really excited for this. You know, like, because I mean, I mean, I mean, she's an icon, you know, she's just all around incredible artist and so i was excited mm-hmm. just for that but when i realized that i had like some type of like personal connection as i'm sure you know everyone at the concert did i, I yeah i was just kind of i sat in my car after we got phone i was like oh damn like this is gonna be awesome and and it, and it really really was a special really was a special night like wait did you listen to the album on your way there i didn't i wanted to just kind of like go into it like totally uh like fresh you know just just let it like wash over me okay good yeah and i'm glad i did because there were like some songs some songs on the album that i kind of forgot were on the album like um like head over feet yeah um yeah the other one was uh you learn oh man i forgot how incredible a song you learn is Woof. And I can remember so clearly, like being a kid, because I mean, not to date myself, but I was like seven when Jack and Little Pill came out. Seven, and you remember it? Huh? You, you at at the age of seven, you were like lining up at the record store to get Jack and Little Pill. No, I just remember the songs on Mix ninety six point one in San Antonio. There you go. Uh, and talk about driving to school early uh, earlier when I was missing Pokemon. Um, I I can remember hearing these songs on the radio and like yeah. the line in 
the line in um, You Learn when she's like, I recommend walking around naked in your living, your living room. Wow. And, yeah. I, and I remember being like a kid and being like, <laughs> she's walking around naked. Like, okay. Like, okay. Is that a lot? <laughs> But, 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 but oh, it's my living room. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's just, it's just so many memories tied to this one. Uh, no shit. And so, like, like, and, and it, it was, it was really cool to see, because I mean, I, as, as a lover and you know, admirer of art and music. I know that Alana is just, she's just, she's just one of the greats, you know, but seeing, and, but seeing like the emotional connection that she had with so many of her fans, cause they would show crowd footage and there were, I mean, there were people crying, you know, like there were people like holding their loved ones and singing and like with their hands, like trying to like reach her, even though she was on this big stage. Like it was, it was really profound. Like it, it was just, and it, it was my second show back uh, um, since the pandemic started, and so it was just, it was a really like powerful, powerful night. And she, she just walked on that stage and just owned it, and just had everyone at that venue just in the, you know, in the palm of her hand or in her pocket. If you listen to one hand in your pocket. She had, she had one hand in her pocket and the other hand was being eaten out of by the crowd. So she had one hand in her pocket <laughs> and the other one was holding the crowd. So <laughs> seems to be. But, oh, that's so cool. But I just um, dived into it and normally I ask like, Elliot, uh, what are your what are your earliest memories of Jack's Little Pill? Earliest memories, I think back to, uh, for this one, like uh, it was always, it's one of these other albums that's like kind of always just kind of been there. Like, uh, like I, I never, I never, I've never bought the CD. I never bought the album. Uh, I never just had it. I never owned it. I never had it in my car in my uh, 90s, you know, remember those like zip bag, like uh, CD sleeve booklet things. I never had it in there. I still have one. <laughs> <laughs> of course you do. I've got, I've got CDs in my car, but they're always like shoved into my glove box, like a, like a, like a, like I'm a sociopath. Um, but uh, um, it was always just kind of ever present, I guess. Um, and and I, I, it was so, so ever present that therefore I didn't really have an opinion on it. It would be like, oh, it's snowing today so yeah i don't really have an opinion on that i don't know and and i was so far off in my own head in like and by 95 that like uh, i wasn't really like i guess perhaps paying attention to this this album and how gigantic it was um yeah. i remember like uh, it being like um kind of cool i i dug it more than most shit that was out there most shit meaning like like uh you know, uh, radio dredge or whatever. Like, um, I enjoyed it enough. I was, I was always maybe back in, in, maybe a little back in my head. I was like impressed at like, wow, this, this Canadian girl got to like top 40, like, I don't know. I think like seven times over on this, uh, on this one album. It was a like, big uh, it, it's, it's massive. And then like, uh, 
revisiting the album, like realizing how truly uh, great it is. It's really fucking great. It's really awesome. And like how many singles on this album are awesome and like what they mean and how like entrenched in the social uh, mire and, uh, you know, cultural osmosis of it all, like how, 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 how they are, these songs are like anchors into that. Like everyone remembers this album. Everyone like knows, like if someone makes a joke about ironic, like, don't you think like, bam, people like know what that is. And like, that's because this album was so gigantos. It didn't occur to me at a time. It was so big. I fucking love it. It's amazing. It's, it's a killer one, you know, and it's so, so, you know, another album that we talked about, uh, Natalie, Natalie and Brulia's album from 1997. Yeah. I heard a lot of that album and this is, this is a sip and memos affair. So I'm, I'm drawing a blank. Um, Okay. Left of the middle. Sorry. Oh that wow, my, that was my album, and I just totally blanked on it. You know, you could have I mean, you could have asked me, and I would have forgotten <laughs> for you. And you could have blamed it on me. <laughs> you know, so I mean, Left of the Middle comes out in like '97, and I I heard a lot of like the genesis of that album. I I heard in this one, and it just made me think like how crazy influential this one was. You know. So this album was released in 95 and it was actually released on Madonna's label, Maverick. Okay. She, <laughs> and, and and it's just uh it's just crazy. Like it's it it let me see, let me pull it up. It was nominated for nine Grammys and won five, including album of the year, uh, yep. which made which made Alanis Morissette at twenty one years old the youngest artist to win that uh, that award. Um and she was only dethroned in like 2008, 2009 by Taylor Swift. Okay, that's wild. Because I had written down while listening to this, I'm like, it, will we have Taylor Swift without Alanis? Like, no, is, Alanis okay. a, is Alanis a proto Taylor Swift? No, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, and it's so funny you said it because I, I heard a lot of Taylor in this album. Yeah. Alanis like really developed this kind of like um, revenge ballad thing that kind of, uh, for better or for worse, Taylor is kind of known for. Maybe I should I should asterisk myself because I don't like that I just said revenge ballad, um, because that's like a rotten thing to say. She's because she, because Alanis is writing things about an ex or exes, seemingly, okay, in this album and in in it happens to be a fucking masterpiece so and then like but like a lot of people now modern days 20 years later taylor swift is like famous for like oh if you date her and then she breaks up with you or you guys split she's going to write a song about you and everyone guesses which song is for who which guy or whatever the fuck which yeah. is a gross way to approach music i think really so i apologize for framing it in that way and we'll keep this in the episode so i had to own it What's that? What's that great quote from High Fidelity? Where he's like, "Yeah, am I? Uh, was it? Am I miserable because I listen to pop music, or am I? Do I listen to pop music because I'm miserable?" Yeah, no, I, yeah. I think, and 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 I, I I said that Taylor Swift won. So Taylor Swift won it, won album of the year. I think um, she was twenty, but it looks like I just checked on the internet. Thank you, internet. Um, 
Billie Eilish actually won, was the youngest to win album of the year at 18 years old. Okay. What was I doing at 18? <laughs> Waiting for my last growth spurt, maybe? <laughs> all, I, all I can think of as a father is if you win an album of the year at 18, someone fucked up and, and you're being manipulated and, and someone's uh, fucking with you. I, 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 I'm so bummed out that I think I would go to that immediately, but like, um, okay, how do I phrase this? Certainly an 18 year old can make an album that's awesome and should get album of the year sure if it's the album of the year whatever also i don't care about these award things at all but um the grammys are kind of a joke so yeah yeah yeah, yeah. but like if you're if you're 18 and like you win a grammy like someone was someone was poking and prodding you the whole time man i don't know yeah that bums me out because you could write songs about like going out and partying and like you know having a good time. And that's great because that's part of the human experience, but also a really big part of the human experience is being heartbroken, Yeah, you know, and being just like absolutely stunned by the love of your life at that point in your life, just walking out and just, you know, giving up on, on a relationship in your eyes, you know? And I think that's what, I think that's what draws so many people across the generations uh decades to to music is that relatability that you know the that that listening to you ought to know you know like and, and feeling those things you know and like having a connection to what this you know 19 i think she was 19 when they started writing that's the other thing i lost much wrote this album you know like uh let, let, let's get into it let's get into it okay tell me everything you know about this album yeah, I, uh, she wrote she uh, wrote the album along with. Um, let me go to the track list. Uh, uh, so she wrote the album with a guy named Glenn Ballard, um, and from what I understand, the two of them just got into the studio and just like started just experimenting with different sounds. And I would argue that this one set up pretty much the rest of the '90s as far as pop music. I mean, you can hear like. Like the wah, like the wah effect on the guitars. It's it's just you know it's just so familiar. And I heard it listening back to this one, and I was just like, oh, like that's where this comes from, you know. And and I think like I think Alanis like she brought like this like raw honesty that was maybe like we talked about Taylor Swift earlier. That was maybe. Um, a little bit more polished by the time like Taylor started writing songs. Like, I think their songs are like certainly about about the um, the same like subject matter, like going through heartbreak, being young. Um, but I think Taylor Swift is a little bit more like polished, and that might be because of that like Nashville um, that Nashville sound that she was um, that she was working with um, with like Fearless and her self titled album. Um, but I think I certainly think a case can be made that you can trace directly like Alanis Morissette to Taylor Swift. Like there's, there's, you know, and I think if you were to ask her, ask Taylor, if she was, a, if she was a fan, she would say, absolutely. Definitely. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, and it's this album, like it, it talks about like relationships once again, like, which just connects with the listeners, you know, like connects with, 
you know, it, she talks about like, I, I reference you out of know, so I'll, it's just, it's a song that really, like when you're so upset and you're so like, you're going through, you're going through something and you're just like blurting out these, like these thoughts that in hindsight, you might be like, oh, why was I thinking that, you know? But it captures that in the song to where you're just like, you know, was I not good enough? Like, what is going on? Like, yeah. what's so good about this person? What didn't make me good enough? You know, and it's like, and it's it's like the the lyrics of this one is like almost like a meditation on at the end of the breakup, and and it, it, I think it's so crazy powerful. Um, well, but also on um, you want to know has this really tasty baseline. Like, did you enjoy those? Because I know you're a baseline guy. Oh. You know who played bass on that one? I don't. Uh, none other than Red Hot Chili Peppers, Flea. Flea is on You Wanna Know? Yeah. No shit. And Dave is... Navarro is playing guitar on that one. Wow. Yeah. I, was, I was listening back to it today, and I was like, oh, Jake must love these fucking bass lines. Like, you know, it's it's different when you listen to it like, in your car or like on, you know, whatever, uh, uh, MTV or VH1 or whatever. Like if if you're like in your head like like um there's like some really crazy baseline stuff going on there I'm like oh I know Jake's Jake's digging that oh I loved it like and I Jake, didn't Jake are you are you a guitar player that wishes you was a bass player oh you know <laughs> I remember like when I first started I started off like playing playing guitar like I remember being like oh man guitar's so cool you know I would you know why would I want to you know bass eh, you know but yeah. as i've grown up and like gotten smarter and more wise i'm like oh man bass is where it's at you know which shout out shout out and so shout out to our friend ruben uh who is an incredibly gifted all-around musician and can yeah play the hell out of the guitar and a bass so shout out ruben and, and drums by the way. And, oh and drums oh gosh and sing it's just not fair it's just not yeah fair. it's not fair it's not fair um but no like just the lyrics are like so smartly written like uh like uh hand in my pocket like it's just and they're, they're written in, in such a like uh i'm 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 brave but i'm chicken shit you know like stuff it's just it's funny and relatable and she just, just yeah she's funny she's funny she's a very she's, she's a, She's quite the lyricist and quite the vocalist. Holy shit. And, oh, and then she's also kind of, she's funny. She's jabbing at people. I wrote down like, like this could be a, like a rap, like a battle rap album. Like, uh, yeah. like this album sounds like a response album to someone else's album. Clearly she's been wronged and like, and she's putting everything she's fucking got into this shit. And like, and she's like, the, the, the story is first here and i think it's astonishing see right through you um um or see through you sorry i think it is hit me hit me hard or sorry right through you the song right through you um hit me really hard like i had i know i've heard it before but like man on this listen i was like wow this one's awesome yeah um the the so i mean after like 26 years of hearing those singles I tried to really focus on like the non-singles of the album and there's oh, just huh. like like so like right through you forgiven was another favorite 
uh, wake, not the doctor and wake up. There's just so much to work with on this album and so much to just like, just enjoy. It was just, it was such a treat to, to, to listen and, and discuss this one. Um, I read that she toured this album. She toured on this album for 18 months. And do you want to take a guess who the opening band was on her Jagged Little Pill tour? What, the one you saw? Oh no no in 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 the in the nineties in the nineties yeah um I'll give you a hint they dropped an album in nineteen ninety five as well which I did not know <laughs> I, don't, I don't know Radiohead wow did Radiohead open up for Atlantis I believe so how about that interesting um. Do you have like a all time favorite track off this album? Like all time, it's hard to pick one. I know, like because they're all they're all man. The, the the hits off this album just don't stop coming. Like uh, they're amazing. Um, I I would the one that I mean the one I return to the most is the one we had actually haven't talked about. Um, it's got to be ironic. Okay, yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> so now I have to talk about ironic. Um, <laughs> I, I like it too. Is, is she describing situations that are truly definitively ironic? See, that's the, that's the thing I'm, I've always, I've thought about like so much with this, with this song I remember like I remember listening to it with my mom and she being like that's not really ironic. And, <laughs> and you're like you don't think? And she's like yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm yeah, just like, I really I, I, I'm like it, it's it's not like what do what do you like what do you mean it's not ironic? And she's like well that's not really ironic what the song is. I'm just like okay. But then but then as I got older I was like wait a second. Is the song the, the subject matter of the song not being ironic make the whole song <laughs> itself ironic? Oh. Okay. <laughs> Isn't it ironic, don't you think? Yeah, I really do think that the song ironic is describing situations that aren't actually ironic, but close enough when they're actually kind of happenstance or circumstantial events. But it is ironic, don't you think, that Alanis would get the song, get get the meaning wrong? Is that part of a greater message? I, I love that theory. I'm on board with that. I think that's like that. awesome. Let's go with that. That's what I've been saying. I mean, it's like, because I, I mean, this is obviously a, a very just you know, uh, you know, very smart person you know and like honestly like i would not put it past put it past them to be like you know i'm gonna say this all this stuff is ironic but you know what it's kind of ironic because it's not <laughs> <laughs> can i tell you what's what's well it's not ironic but it is happenstance um it took me um years and years to figure out what jagged little pill the title of the album meant Oh yeah, because um, it's it's kind of recorded kind of low. It's mixed low in the song. 
Oh no, I mean, I mean the t- the the title of the album. Oh, jagged little pill. I guess I hadn't pen- been paying attention to the lyrics or anything like that, but like um, and then like the album came up years ago, and I was like, what? what? Why is it called that? And then uh, and then I realized, oh, it's hard to swallow. <laughs> and I was like, wow, okay, she might be a genius. Um, yeah, and, and, like, certainly a uh, brilliant and breathtaking lyricist and man all these poems are beautiful these are great um uh but i am very embarrassed that it took me so long to figure out what she meant <laughs> by jagged little poem. um uh, like like um y- you ought to know like uh it's so uh deep within the social construct that like uh there's a great um episode of the office when kevin is singing uh singing karaoke oh. And he's like, you, 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 he says a few too many yous, you, 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 I don't know. Because he's like going through a breakup or whatever. He forgot about that. Oh man, it's so fun. But that's how ingrained this album is in our culture. It's amazing. I remember there's a, I mean, there's an episode of Family Guy did like a spoof of, of Star Wars and um, the Emperor is talking to Stewie who is playing Darth Vader and he's just like, I'm, yeah, I'm emptying out my, I'm emptying out my CD collection. I'm giving away some CDs. Uh, I have a, Alanis Morissette's Jagged Little Pill. And Stewie's like, oh, no, I won't take that one. And, and he's just like, are you sure? This is, this is my 90, this is huge, man. This is my 995 and my 1996. You don't want this? And he's like, no, no, thank you. <laughs> this is my 1995 and my 1996. I love that. That's great. <laughs> oh man forget it everything everything she she sung about was um everything she sung about was just so like you know relatable and you know because i there have you been live those... you, you live you learn do you know the rumors about who jagged little pill is about okay <laughs> or should or should we not even talk about it because that's rude to talk about well Someone you've you've heard you've heard this then you've heard it. Yes. Okay. Is it a? It's not Uncle Joey. Is, but it's um. Yeah. No, it is. Other who? Yeah, it's Dave Coulier. Dave Coulier, because they dated before, right? Like, from what I understand, a lot of people talk about this, and I don't know, and I don't I don't know if Alanis has said anything, but. And we'll cut this out. But this is gross to say. I feel gross now. Um, but <laughs> say everything is wrong again. Um, uh, <laughs> but the, the rumor is that this album is about their relationship. And like, she went down on him in the theater and blah, 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 and all that. Really? That's what the room, that's what people are saying on, on the internet 20 years ago last time i looked at the internet you know that's one of those things where i only know him as no it is uncle joey and then uh stamos played jesse yeah yeah yeah. i only know him as like goofy uncle jesse who likes the rabbit you know and i just joey uncle joey sorry uh i don't it's you know to to each their own i mean if they're their relationship 
you know, I'm, I, I, it's sad that relationships have to end, but I mean, it created, you know, a work of art that stands the test of time and still influences people to this day. Uh, so, I mean, <laughs> do you think that, um, do you think Alanis, if this whole album, this amazing album is about um, Dave Coulier, do you think she owed it to him to let him know that it was going to come out and change the world? Um, no, because I, I, when it's being created, I believe art belongs to the artist. You know, um, I, I, I believe art is an individual's interpretation of emotion uh, in a physical, uh, viewable, taste, taste, tasteable, question mark, uh, uh, audible medium or whatever, which way you create art. I think it's like an interpretation of like feelings. Mm -hmm. um, and I think art belongs to the artists. And I think yeah. those emotions are, are theirs to process in, in any which way they can. Um, Cause I mean, we're, everyone's different in their own way. Like sometimes going through, going through heartbreak, you hit the gym, you know, and like get ripped or you learn, learn a new hobby. Sometimes you just create, you know, groundbreaking art, <laughs> groundbreaking albums, you know, it's just, yeah. Um, I don't know if, if, if it's owed to anyone. So it's, yeah, it is an odd thing. And I, I think I'm with you mostly like, like uh, art belongs to the, belongs to the artist, but everyone's allowed to interpret it in different ways, of course. And then, then it becomes uh, within the eye of the beholder, but, but, but it's a real uh, tense, strenuous thing where, where, uh, where if, if, would you would you take away the bad feelings that Alanis had that led her to make this? Like um, in a perfect world, you know, like in a perfect world, she would not not have had this struggle, and then therefore not have made this album that we all appreciate. Yeah. And and it's almost as if like, you know, if we can create things out of. You know, like we talked about last time with Elliot Smith and all this. Like, um, it just seems to me like if we can make something beautiful out of the fact that everything is wrong. Oh, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what it's all about. <laughs>
it's it's interesting, and I think this next album we're getting ready to talk about is it also a very emotional, ex- very expressive album. Expressive. Um, yeah. Expressive might be like the best word I would say, but uh, I like that. It, what it was something I was not expecting from this artist, um, Elliot. Oh, would would you like to introduce this week's artist for you? Yeah. Um. This. Um. Um, since we started the show, Jake's been asking me about, about like almost almost since we started the show, like, um, well, when are we gonna get to Moby? And meaning, and you have to go said WWE Moby Play. Moby Play um is the big album that came out in '99 where every single track on there was um utilized to like car commercials and TV shows and movies and all this. Um uh and and but it also was like Moby's Big, Moby is big hit um, that like just just touched perfectly, um, and, and it kind of blew everyone away and was amazing. But I wanted to go back a little bit to the '95 Moby. Um, everything is wrong, uh, and this album's a little interesting because interesting or or maybe less than interesting in that it's so disjointed. Um, He's got ambient tunes on here where it's just him and a piano and a synth pad. He's got punk rock tunes on here where he's like playing thrash metal. Um, he's got uh, a few really great dance tunes on here. He has a, a, a tune on here that's like a like a high speed drum and bass tune, um, which I adore. But I like all the tunes in a different kind of way. I'm not a big fan of his thrash shit. But then I'll talk about Moby as an artist and this album, which is kind of uh, weird. It's a weird album. Um, that's why I wanted to talk about it bef- before um, we, we can just gush about play, which is truly brilliant. But this is I think this is Moby um, trying to figure out where he goes. Uh, he had been established earlier in the 90s with a song called Go that sampled the, the theme from Twin Peaks and it became a big dance hit and he's like, oh my God, I think I should just do, I should abandon my punk rock roots that he had and he moved into like dance music and just kind of blew the hell up. And he, he and so to eventually he puts out this album, Everything Is Wrong. It's just so back and forth. We open with him. We go in a million to Feeling So Real, which is one of my favorite tunes of movies, truly, um, which is high speed, high energy, dance floor euphoria. And it's an odd... Uh, I, I talk a lot on this show about like um, track order and everything, and, and this one is way out of balance. Uh, I'll, I'll absolutely admit that. Um, but it, it is a collection of tunes that showcases this dude's mind in a certain era, 1995, and what has, has been quite formative and quite uh, informative in the decade and will continue to be so. But we have this right right in the middle of the 90s, 1995, here's where Moby is at. And he's doing a little bit of everything, which, which doesn't seem to work out ultimately, but man, is he good at most of these things. And He's a beautiful pianist. He knows melody. 
he knows all this. He seems to have an idea of what like the dance scene is about these uh, these raves and all this. So he starts making these these dance tunes that blow the hell up. And he releases this album. Everything is wrong. The the, the weird thing about Moby is that um, in the rave community, the idea is that when you go into these parties and you hear this kind of music, the kind of feelings you're supposed to feel is everything is fine, everything is great, everything is beautiful. It's euphoric. But he's putting out an album with these songs in it saying everything is wrong. We're doing it wrong. Um, which seems, it, it's, it's, it's a little like, uh, I don't know, snake biting its tail kind of thing where he's part of it and he's making these euphoric house and speed garage tunes these these piano um, rave anthems and then saying I'm doing this the wrong way it seems to be confessional almost like I don't like that I'm doing this but also within this album we hear these synth pads show up um, that eventually mature a few years later into um, his biggest album ever and he changes the landscape of things. Jake, what'd you think of uh, Moby's Everything Is Wrong? It was it it was at times like a almost like a jarring listen, listening experience. Um, but not, not like necessarily in like a bad way because I mean, as we've um, as we've like uh, as we've like established on on our show, you know, I grew up listening to a ton of metal. I still listen to metal and. Um, so like the, let me pull up the track list. So like the, the songs on the album, like, um, is it what love the real heavy one? Yeah. How it starts off with oh, like going down to see my love. Um, yeah. 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 I, I heard that that one started off and I was thinking like, Oh, this is, this sounds like what he did famously on play. The song just like, erupts into this like thrash kind of like hardcore guitar really fuzzy guitar driven song which i did not see coming especially after hearing a song like bring back my happiness which is very very dancey very well here, here here's here's what happens um, i don't think you're talking about raves all that much i know like that that culture was like a big part of like the 90s electronica was was he big in like the rave scene he was after he was big in the punk scene so in this and he said like this album was like uh him trying both but man it makes for a really and i i'm with you like it's a perky jerky kind of album right yeah like um like it's a breakneck uh emotional whiplash kind of album where like you know you open with him, this beautiful piano thing. You open, and then goes into feeling surreal, which is like a, a 160 BPM dance tune. And then like uh, beyond that, we get into like a punk rock thing. Is it? Like, is, is he just like um, showcasing like this is the stuff I'm into? And yeah, it's just yeah. him showcasing <laughs> the stuff he's into. Um, but like that's not a cohesive album. Um, uh but nevertheless the songs on here are are uh very well done 
Yeah, I think I think Moby eventually got away from his like punk roots because like he's like, oh, I don't think I'm good at this. Um, one <laughs> thing with <laughs> didn't truly one thing Moby like uh, um, like figured out early on is like, oh, I I'm not a good singer, and he's like, I shouldn't be singing. And then it was like, well, uh, Jimmy Hendrix wasn't necessarily a good singer or all that, but like I don't know, uh, I'll just do my punk rock shit when I sing, and then. He has this like weird obsession with Lou Reed, I believe, uh, where, where where you get the uh, slide guitar, the wah wah that we heard uh, a lot on Alanis and all that, the wow wow, the slide guitar stuff, where he brings back when he, and and play with Southside and all that. He really wants to be able to play slide guitar like Lou Reed, and he he he, and he famously covers Lou Reed every fucking show he plays. Um, um well, like that's one of the things like. So I, um, and I want to give the author credit, um, but I started reading a book a while back, right before school started, so I didn't get to finish it. Um, but it was a book about like the late 90s, early aughts um, uh, music scene, uh, rock and roll, uh, electronic music scene in New York. And it's called Meet Me in the Bathroom, Rebirth in Rock and Roll in New York City, 2001 to 2011. And it's by author Lizzie Goodman. And okay. Moby's, Moby's actually featured in there. And I, I guess I didn't realize that Moby's just like, he's so closely associated to uh, New York. Like he's like a New York guy. And when I was reading about him, because I, mean, like I, I did, didn't know a terrible amount about Moby, just aside from like play and like You're All Made of Stars, that song he followed up play with. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is good, but I mean, play was just a monster. Um, mm-hmm. But it, he on the on the on the album it says that he 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 wrote most of the album while living in his apartment on like Mott Street. Yeah, is Mott Street like a like a famous place in in New York? I I I don't know. <laughs> no, uh, I mean no. Um, <laughs> Uh, from what I understand, it's, I think it's in the East Village. I'm sure fans will correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, he's a New Yorker for sure. Um, Manhattan, like, or it says yes. like, oh yes, like, yeah, okay, uh, yeah, in uh, Lower East Manhattan, yes. And he has an apartment there, and apparently, they, they say recorded this album there, but I would say perhaps finalized is a better word for it, as in like file save. Yeah, <laughs> zip, zip. Here's the album. Because, <laughs> uh, come on, but um, uh, um, there, there's great stories of Mo- of like you know people bumping into Moby, um, like in New York he lives there of course. Uh, he has a he has a tea shop there called Tea Ni, T E A N Y or Tea Ni. I had a, I had a, I've had a tea there before, um, and I've bumped into Moby a couple of times. He's a, he's a guy with, a, with something to say in the in boy oh boy does he say it like um yeah uh, so this gets us to our the like the liner notes of it all um so at, at this point like Moby is now like realizing like oh he he's a uh, beyond a musician he is a uh, activist so he he's going to um he's like how can I if people bought my album, how could they know how I feel about this stuff? And so he starts writing these essays and 
shoving them into his liner notes, like instead of like you know saying like oh here's you know you take the liner notes out of out of a CD or an album like oh here's the lyrics here's the credits or whatever. It's <clears throat> it's Moby's essays on veganism, animal rights, and all this, and it gets to be like, um, well, because who who isn't for that? So it's hard to be like, be like, um, uh, shut the fuck up, Moby. I love my I love listening to porcelain while I eat my chicken nuggets. It's more like yeah. it's more it's more like Jesus, like 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 maybe. I don't know. I don't know because I'm not. I'm not going to tell any artist what to do. Does where he? Cause I mean, at this point, I mean, he's, obviously, you know, he's obviously a legend. You know, like he's highly influential and just like one of those like game changing electronic artists. Because I mean, and I keep on referencing it, but I'm sorry, but like, I I cannot uh, say how big and like present play was for so many years like it was everywhere yeah you know uh it was on commercials movies uh just everything and so like do you think at this point like moby the activist is kind of like overshadowing moby the the artist um i would say well i guess i would have to say yes only because his next album after this is called animal rights I think, and it's just thrash metal. Um, thrash metal, <clears throat> yeah, and like, uh, <clears throat> and it's and it is, um, and he loses all his fans. Um, people are like, This isn't Moby, what the fuck? He's like, No, this is my roots and shit like that. And everyone hates it, so it goes away for a long time. Uh, he writes his fucking essays, he makes his tea parlor. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> Moby's a tricky one because he's so influential, I guess. Oh boy! Okay, as a as a dance music aficionado, it's it's tricky to talk about Moby, I guess. But he, maybe but, he maybe he is for introducing so many to this genre of music. Like he was like he was like the entry point, maybe for like young aspiring electronic musicians in the nineties. Perhaps. Maybe I could break it down like this. Uh, um, often electronic music is very um, masked and underground and um, invisible. Uh, so um, we're talking aliases for different releases. We're, we're talking um, no one knows who really put this out, but it sounds like this person. Aphex Twin, Super Mysterious. Daft Punk, put the helmets on. Um, like... Uh, and all this and then there's moby who's like here's who i am i like thrash metal veganism and animal rights and if you don't like it buckle up buckaroos because i'm going to tell you all about it and it, it kind of became like this thing where he put himself before in front of his music a bit more than um what the uh, the electronic music culture had done in the, in the past so he's like i'm in the forefront of this i am moby here's what i think about things and also here's my music i know you already like it because my albums are selling here's who i am you have to listen to this um 
you have to buy a timeshare before you get to ski for free. Like, like uh, you know, kind of that. And I think that turned a lot of uh, electronic musicians off of his kind of just vibe. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very ideological. Big ideological. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, there was, I mean, there were some really just um, great, you know, dance. I mean, even, I feel like some like trance stuff on here. Yeah. Um, I mean, just the, the last two tracks, God moving over the face of the waters. And when it's cold, I, um, it's cold. I'd like to die featuring the vocals of want to give them credit. Cause they're really good. Mimi, uh, geese or ghosts. I apologize. Um, just some really, I mean, really good ambient electronic music. But then, like, you can tell like, he's just like, now this is what I like. Like you said, you know, like, and it's just, it does, it does make for a, a real kind of jarring listen. Um, it's so up and down. Like, oh, my God. Yeah. Like, I, I thought, like, I had, like, queued up some stuff before. You know, like, when you queue up, it'll, it'll play it, in, it you know, even if you something else it'll still play your cue i had i looked at my i looked at my phone and i was just like nope that's moby okay we're doing this wow yeah um but no i mean it was really neat to hear this guy's early work um i think we're both on the same same boat that it's kind of like a mismatch at times of material and i think on purpose but like i don't know um experiment fails wouldn't it be cool if I made a tra- an album where every other track is a completely different genre? Like that's a cool idea, but it doesn't yeah. make for a good sit and listen, you know. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm with you there. Um, however, there are some fucking jams on here. Yeah. And and some actual classics. And, and, and we're also seeing Moby like form his main form. Um, he's cl- he's slowly getting to his um, like while he's doing this this collection of songs um he's he's working on his ambient works you know um and he's he's building up to play where he is now finalized and he is fucking voltron moby and knows exactly what he wants to do he's i'm like he's like and he's like okay my voice isn't good thrash metal (laughs) thrash metal i'm not good at people don't like it I'm go- what I'm good at is playing the piano and building these synth waves. I'm going to find old records. I'm going to sample them much like my predecessors and people at the time. And I'm going to make something that will, well, it will, it'll uh, certainly sell Chevrolets and that's play. <laughs> it'll, it'll sell Colin Farrell, Kiefer Sutherland movies. Um, yeah. Well, and it'll also did Jake, Oh, I hope you recognize. Did you listen to first Cool High on this album? I, I hearted this one. Okay. It is it is a song that closes out the movie Scream. Really? Yep. I didn't pick up I, I guess I haven't seen Scream in a while. I haven't picked Just up on that one. Like like Orbital's Halcyon before it and Mean Girls and Mortal Kombat. First cool First cool hive closes out the movie Scream. Wow. Well, I guess because Scream, well, Scream came out in '95, didn't it? '96. Uh, speaking yeah. of 
Neve, if you're listening. Neve! We are. Neve? <laughs> isn't it, isn't it uh, Neve? No, it's Nev, is it not? Okay, we'll edit that out. Speaking of, Nev, if you're listening, we do uh-huh. have our Halloween show coming up in about a month. We'd love to have you on. Uh, we'll send you the album list. I know our schedules haven't been been um, been able to 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 make to match up, but we are still waiting to start our never ending story with Nev Campbell. Um, so please shoot us an email. Yeah. pod at gmail.com. We can't wait That's to right. have you. On. Oh come on, Nev. This head is up. Let me don't don't maybe slide into your DMs. Um, <laughs> uh, it sure would be great to have Nev comment on. <laughs> yeah, I don't know anything. Um, yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> we we had Nev Campbell on here. It would it would hundred percent be that like that Chris Farley Paul McCartney skit on SNL, and he was like, you remember so... you remember when you remember in Scream? <laughs> do you, do you remember when do you remember when you were you were with Tim Oliphant? That was awesome. <laughs> like, and I'll be like, and I'll I'll take the bullet. I'll be like, remember? Do you remember? You remember Wild Things when I couldn't make it to the rest of the movie? Oh, God. <laughs> I'll jump on that grenade for you, man. Even though you watched it at 10 in the morning. Boom! I'll never live that one down. <laughs> it's so funny to me. It's so funny. Do you remember cl- when you were cl- in the craft? <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, okay, yes. I was, I was going to think uh, to ask you, like, Let's get back on the Nev train because I, I I do miss talking about Nev Campbell and I want to get her on the show. Nev Campbell, um, we need to get you on this fall for sure. It's going to be great. Nev Campbell and the Never Ending Story with Sip and Mimos, hundred percent. Yeah. Cl- closing thoughts on anything? Anything you have to say? You seem a little underwhelmed by everything is wrong. Uh no, I mean, it, it, it's okay. I, I think one of the things that like I, I've I've come and it's kind of you, you touched on it where it was just like how our how our electronic albums flowed. You know, there was like um Yeah. Mm-hmm. There was a theme, you know, and this one just kinda No flow. Yeah. Very, yeah. very little flow, very disparate. Perfect word. Yeah. Oh, and, and uh to close out, um, from what I understand, Moby's a complete fucking prick. Oh, from what I understand, that's unfortunate. <laughs> it is, isn't it? Isn't it unfortunate? Is Moby, that right? if, if you're listening, don't you think? Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, yeah. Okay, we found out. We found out what ironic is. <laughs> Moby, Moby, the most gentle little uh, vegan activist. Uh, you know. Artist is like actually a fucking piece of shit. All right, and that actually Moby. is ironic. It is ironic, don't you think? <laughs> yeah, I really do think. <laughs> a little too ironic. Yeah, like like unfortunately ironic. Yeah, I really do think. It's like ready. Okay. <laughs> so. You know, you brought it to my. I came on here like kind of like locked and loaded with one, but you brought oh. it to my attention, and I actually oh, no. I saw it online this morning. 
uh, that we're a year ago we did our very special soundtrack episode. <gasps> Are you gonna soundtrack me, bro? I think I'm gonna soundtrack you. Are, okay, you have, okay, hit, hit me, hit me, hit me. Do you have one in mind? No, just go. <laughs> just go, and I'll figure one out. Okay, so this one is okay. It is available. Okay, cool. Available. So, yeah, because so many soundtracks are like only available on like playlists and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, this one is one of my <laughs> all-time faves in uh, okay. in '90s soundtracks, and there are many of them. It actually features a couple artists that we've actually talked about before on the show. Um, specifically Blink-182 and Eve-6. Uh, okay. And um, But you also have a lot of really great stuff on there. You've got The Replacements singing the title track. You've got Paradise City. Um, Busta Rhymes, Smash Mouth, and a band that I've been dying to get on this podcast. Smash Mouth. Okay. Uh, so with that, uh, I would like to submit, humble listeners and my co-host, 1998's Can't Hardly Wait. <laughs> you might remember this as the movie that stars Jennifer Love Hewitt, Seth Green. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I'm drawing a blank. Uh I want to get their name right. Peter Facinelli. Uh-huh. And uh, the guy, he plays the first, he plays the main guy. Ethan Embry, 1998's Can't Hardly Wait. The, the soundtrack to Can't Hardly Wait. Oh, yeah. You're going to get some Guns N' Roses, Buster Rhymes. It's a fun time. Okay. All right. I didn't. See, this is okay. You, listeners, <laughs> sometimes Jake likes to throw me a curveball. I thought Ozzy was a curveball, but this is a curveball. But you know what? I'm a better catcher than I am pitcher. What? I shouldn't have said. <laughs> I shouldn't have said that. Um, That's a good sticker. We should remember that one. But I know how to. I know. I know what he's saying. I know what he's thinking, and <clears throat> I'm three steps ahead. Because I'm going to ask Jake to listen to 1996's soundtrack to the motion picture Train Spotting. Oh, oh man. The soundtrack opens up with Iggy Pop and David Bowie's Lost for Life and then takes you on a journey. And I can't wait to talk about it with you. Saving it right now. I, should should I watch this movie before the episode? Um, will it enhance the listening experience? You think? Uh, from where I'm sitting for the show, you should listen to the soundtrack once through and then watch the movie. And I'll watch. I'll watch. Can't hardly wait. <laughs> um, and then we'll meet back here. Yeah, I'm just I'm just looking at this one. You got Brian Eno, New Order. Aforementioned Lou Reed. You Underworld makes an appearance on this one. Okay. See, Underworld, uh, our, our, our episode on Underworld, um, I, I told you that um, fans would be upset that I didn't involve the, the track Born Slippy. 
And this is the, this is the song that is featured heavily in Train Spotting. So, so this is we're just like uh, we just got two dope soundtracks. I'm I mean I think we've talked about on an episode before. I I'm a I'm a Ewan McGregor head, you know, and so any chance to talk about him in any form is very exciting. Um, and Train Spotting is one of those movies where it's always on like those lists of must sees. So this is the kick in the pants that I need. Um, to dive in you, you say so you've never seen it i've never seen it um i've seen the toilet scene <laughs> the growth the the nastiest toilet in is it um are they in scotland yeah. or yeah they're, Sc- they're scottish it's sad to be in scottish um that's the second worst scene so just know that you'd be okay and i, I was we 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 like bounced around we've we, we've been like texting but uh we're getting ready to enter the fall months and i think we're i think you know uh ellie and i one of our favorite uh holidays is certainly um halloween so maybe we got some got some fun things coming down coming down the pipe maybe some movie discussion certainly i'm i'm pushing for uh, just an audio reenactment of um, Bram Stoker's Dracula, just as an episode. Just, just do it, just real a- ASMR style, you know. Okay. Like, I could do that one solo. It'll just be me just doing like all the parts. It's okay if you want. Oh, so. <laughs> I want to hear. I want to hear that honestly. But okay, we could do it. We could do uh, a uh, audio play if you like, or it could just be you. Well, uh, but we're definitely we'll we'll talk about that more next time. But be on the lookout for that. Um, uh, it's it sounds like we had a lot of really uh, we had a lot of listeners uh, for last week's episode on yes uh, Elliot Smith and the Avalanches. So uh, if you're just coming to sip Mimos and you really enjoyed last week's episode, thank you so much for listening. Uh, Elliot, Elliot shared that news with me, and I, I just was so happy and just excited. So. Uh, this yeah. is, uh, they say like labor of love, but this is in no way a labor. This is just nothing but, you know, fun for, for Elliot and I. So the fact yeah. that, the fact that we have pe- people tuning in and, and listening and, and I, I, Elliot said he has a, a friend in Australia named Lauren, Lauren, thank you for listening. Hello. Uh, Thank you for your notes on the avalanches. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I thought they were fantastic. So wherever you are, if however you're listening to to the Mimos, uh, thank you so much. It it truly is the best feeling in the world. So thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, this is you know, this is fun for me and Jake, and then like uh, for people to actually be listening, it's like uh, so exciting, and that's that's pretty cool. Um, it's not, you know, it's a labor of joy, I guess you could call it. Um, so, cause it's so much fun. And I hope you guys are all along with us on this trip of, uh, listening to stuff you may, you may have heard before, but like, are you revisiting or, or discovering, uh, for the first time? I think like one of the things that like, I, I love most about this adventure is that, you know, you're, re- I like, or at least for me, like I, I'm trying to like recreate that feeling of like meeting up with a friend and like just talking about like an album that you really enjoy and that you think your friend would enjoy, you know, like, and I think it's trying to like create that same sensation, which is one of my faves, you know? So, uh, and there's certainly movie talk and TV talk and, uh, and so happy that, you know, we have some folks out there 
uh, listening to us. So thank you again. And uh, definitely like, and subscribe on, on iTunes. Yeah. Uh, if you have any suggestions, leave us a comment, shoot us an email, sippinmemospod at gmail.com. And uh, follow us on Instagram. Oh, yeah, we're on the Instagram. I guess that helps. I'll share, uh, I, I'll, I'll share some Atlantis Morissette videos from the concert last week. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I was going to say, you better, you better start, start dropping stuff on the, on the uh, IG, bro. But yeah, like, like and subscribe. hear me sobbing and... in the background. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so all right, next week we have next week we've got we're 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 mismatching years, but it's okay. Uh, we've got 1996's Train Spotting, which I cannot wait. Um, all right, and 1998's Can't Hardly Wait. It's gonna be so good. <laughs> that sounds like a fun episode, man. Man, all right, well, all right for uh, well for sipping mimos. I'm Jake. I'm Elliot. Oh, oh and, and I'm Elliot. <laughs> Stay sipping. Stay sipping. Clink. Clink.